Let's go to Genesis chapter 1. Let's just start in the beginning. Amen. I became aware of uh, about a month ago or six weeks ago or so that uh, our one of our good friends, Pastor West, his wife Michelle over in Clanton, that they're uh, not their oldest son, but uh, Taylor, he, uh, he joined the Marines. And Dad, you know, just worked and worked on him, saying, you know, and I don't know much about the Marines and sure don't know anything about the Army. My dad was Air Force, but tried to get him to go to anything but the Marines. You know, the halls of Montezuma just, you know, was highly overrated. The shores of Tripoli just wasn't what Dad wanted. So, uh, but there wasn't, wasn't anything that Taylor, that would suit Taylor. Off he went, and he joined, and he's off on Paris Island now in North Carolina. He thought hell was another place to go to. It was a, it was a, it was a yet-to-be-enacted uh, event, and there he is. It's in the United States. Has people on it and everything. So, um, But he, he's gone to Paris Island and to go to basic, just like a, a, a thousand, a million, whatever you know, young men and women are doing. And um, there's a parallel that I just want to share with you about what that young man's going through and many others. He volunteered. He joined up. Actually wanted to go to the Marines. They, they did some Semper Fi thing to him, and he fell for it. Hallelujah. But he's going to basic. I've never been to basic. When I was uh, graduated from high school, they had the lottery, and, and depending on the number that you got, if you got a low number, you would, go to, you, would be, uh, you would go into service, and you would probably go to Vietnam, and my number came up 242, and so I got to go, I got to, go to college. Hallelujah. So, uh, but when you go to basic training, from what I understand, there's just one really big intention, and y'all probably know that. It's not just to get you ready in the sense of your physical man and, and uh, learn equipment. Mostly what they do in basic training is mental. In other words, every kid, every boy, every man that comes in there, every person that comes into basic has their own agenda and has their own identity. They've all got a past, and they've all got something that they think, and um, none of that works very good when you get a unit that's going to charge the hill and their life is on the line and other people are depending on them. To everybody have their own plan and have their own ideas about how it should go down and what the, you know, what the best way to do it. Matter of fact, you could say that they, they really, what they're doing is brainwashing. They want to wash your identity out of you and put in a new identity. Reggie and I were talking about this last night. And uh, it's pretty brutal how they get it out in, in uh, 13 weeks. Uh, they, they call you names that your mother wouldn't appreciate. They say things to you that the word never does mention. They, uh, you know, they call you things, mention things to you, uh, uh, talked about your ineptness, your, your stupidity, your, your intelligence, your IQ. Uh, you know, say things that are horrible so that you empty yourself out of everything that's good and bad about your life. But the good part is, is then they begin to pour things into you about who you are a United States Marine or in, you know, the Army or the Navy or whatever, and they begin to pour things into you so that when you are called upon, that it is so second nature that you will not revert to something that is old, something that was put into you by mama and grandmama and whatever, a third grade teacher, but that you by second nature almost, you react in a way that is in agreement with the whole unit and that your whole life is dedicated and poured into that unit, and what you're going to do is for the unit. Well, you know there's a great parallel about that you and I in the body of Christ. We all came into the body, we all came into the kingdom with things about our own life, whether it be pride or whether it be uh, uh, inadequacy, disappointment, discouragement, or just all that we ever came to the table with when we got born again. 
And you know, the Lord needs to renew our minds. We need to, we need to change who we think we are and what we think we can do and get it according to the manual. You know, I, like I was telling Reggie, though, I said the, the, the Marines have an advantage because Taylor has called home, and his, his dad said that, that he is tremendously homesick. And I remember dad, uh, Debbie's dad telling us that when he, when he went into the service that homesick, there wasn't enough, a big enough word to describe how you feel when you're out there and, you know, there's no way to go home for four years. I mean, for four years, you can't change your mind. You're in the Army now or whatever. Well, you know, I see a lot of Christians, a lot of people that get into the kingdom, and they get homesick for the old ways, the ways of the world. And yet there's no contract. There's no, nothing that keeps them from going back. We call it backsliding. But, you know, we ought to go. We ought to have to. We ought to, it ought to be required that we go to some sort of training and that for some period of time we can't, we can't go back to our old ways that we are lined up. And, you know, I was telling Reggie, I said, you know, as pastor, I, I can't, you know, you have to be nice enough to get people to come back so you can say something new to them. You know, it's a disadvantage. Uh, Taylor's not hearing anything nice because, you know, they know he doesn't have anywhere to go. It's an island, and there's, 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 there's alligators all around. You know, even if you're a great swimmer, you you gotta, you got to beat 17 alligators to the shore. And, you know, who knows what all. Well, you know, we can't threaten people. But we wish we could sometimes. So you have to get it from the inside. You've got to have a seed of who you are in order to learn who you really are. And that's what I want to minister on this morning. I want to take you to basic training today, and we want to brainwash you. The Bible calls it renewing your mind. Yeah. Amen. We want to renew your mind to who you really are. Because, you know, some of you came from, uh, uh, all of us came from some background, some mindset, some upbringing that was contrary to the Word of God. No matter how good it was, it was contrary to the word of life. You cannot get what God's got, what he's done for you. You cannot get it from the world. So you have wrong thinking in some dimension. All of us do. So we're just going to take the word of God this morning and just go through basic training. Now, we're not going to threaten you. We're not going to call you a scumbag and not going to call you a maggot or anything like that. You know, like the, these young men are probably hearing and, and, and who knows what all. Hallelujah. We're going to bless you and say that you're blessed. But take it to heart that what you think you've got and what you think you are in the world is nothing compared to what he's given you. So in Genesis chapter 1, let's turn there and let's begin basic training today and talk about who you are and what you've got in Christ Jesus at the new birth. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, that God said, speaking of the beginning of the beginnings, God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the sea, and over, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. Say own image. Hallelujah. So we look like God, don't we? And in the image of God created him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it. That word is the word in the Hebrew that means conquer. Subdue it, and have dominion over it. That word dominion means to rule over, over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So you see God's plan here. 
here on basic, in basic training that you and I have been created to rule and to reign, to have dominion and to dominate this world. Everything that moves in the world is under your command. Hallelujah. People that get hooked on drugs, whether it be tobacco or some sort of, uh, uh, of uh, illegal, well, you know, all of it's bad, but it, what they've done is literally the plants have subjugated and had dominion over them. If you take alcohol, it's made from plants, everything like that. Well, then those things have, they dominate people. They, they're addicted to it. They can't, they can't uh, have the control over them. They're being controlled. Well, that's contrary to what God made us. He wanted us to dominate these things. Amen? In Luke 3.38, the Bible says that Adam, which was the son of God, it talks about Adam being the first son of God. Amen? But we know that Adam failed. He created, he uh, committed high treason. He rebelled against God, and he sold out to Satan, and the Bible says that he died spiritually. There was two trees, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of life, and he ate of the tree that he should not, and uh, he died spiritually. He lost his life. Now, he didn't physically die for 900-something years. Isn't that amazing what the residue of the life in Christ Jesus can do for you? But nevertheless, he did die, and the Lord had to come up with a second plan, and he sent, what, he sent Jesus, who is called the second Adam. The second Adam, the first Adam failed. The first Adam had the right to be the father of the family, the earthly family of God. Had that right, had that privilege, had that position, but he failed at it. And so Jesus came as the second Adam. Hallelujah, and changed everything. And Jesus, then, the word talks about is a living, and, uh, a living soul and a transmitting spirit. That what he came is he came to, to give us life in the spirit realm. So you, can, you may be 20 years, 40 years, 60 years old today, but if you've never been born again, the life you have is all in your flesh. But you've got to have life down in the spirit, man, and that comes from the Lord Jesus. Amen? And that's what we're all about. Turn with me to John chapter 1. This is basic training this morning. Hallelujah. And you'll go, well, gosh, I already knew that. Well, you know repetition is good, good, good. Just have it down in you. Drive it down a little bit. Sometimes if, you, if you've ever uh, put a tent up or anything, you'll notice that after a few days of, in the wind, the stakes get loose. And you've got to go out and drive the stakes in. You already drove them in. The stakes, the tent's already up, but you've got to drive them back in. Well, sometimes we've got to drive our stakes back in. Well, hallelujah. Look in verse 12. It says, among many things, it says that... Um, Let's read verse 10. It says, He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, verse 11, and his own received him not. But look in verse 12. But as many as received him, to them. Who's the them? Them that received him. He gave power. Them that received him, he gave power to become the sons of God. Them that received him, he gave power to become the sons of God. To them that received him, he gave power. So there was an exchange, there was a deposit, there was something put in you. When did it come? When you received him. Have you received him today? Have you received the Lord Jesus? Well, when you did, when you did, when you received him, at that point, not, not when you die, not when you lose your physical life and you go to heaven, at that point when you received him, you received power. 
See, many people think that they get everlasting life or what we call eternal life. They, they talk about how, or in a, in a sense, that we, we start that when we lose our physical life. When we go to heaven, we start our eternal life. But eternal life, which is not the life that just means life forever, but it's life of the eternal. Not eternal life, and not in the sense of life that goes on, but the life of the eternal quite a bit of difference there where you put the preposition it's not eternal life in that well now we live forever well if you don't receive the Lord Jesus you'll live or you'll exist in some form forever the Bible talks about hell and it's forever so it's not that it's not that we'll live forever once we receive Jesus or that when we go to heaven but that when we receive him we receive the life of the eternal one the life of God Turn with me to John 3, 16. You're right there. Just slip over to a common verse. Look what it says in verse 16 from this perspective. Now, I'm in basic training this morning. We're all just reviewing. We're going over things that we know or should know. But there's no need. There's no need in going further with healing. There's no need in studying prosperity. There's no need in talking about the power you have over the devil and over uh, uh, trouble in the world if you don't know who you are. Give them an M16 rifle, you know, right now would be a mistake for Taylor to, for them to say, listen, we need you bad over in Iraq. I'm sure they do. Afghanistan needs some good men. Here, take this gun and see if you could go over some things on the way over. It'd be a mistake. He would lose his life. I mean, there's a great possibility that young men like that not having training, not, not being equipped, well, they would throw them into battle and, and they wouldn't be able to, to, to hold the line, plus put other people in danger people that are depending on them. And so they're going to make them stay some time there in that place and get the basics. Well, I, I submit to you, we need some basics in our life. We need, to, we need to have those things down inside of us so there's no thought to the contrary. We should have got these. We should have got these at the new birth. But we were just so glad in most churches that you joined and that could you teach Sunday school next Sunday. Hallelujah. We're glad you got born again today. We'll baptize you this evening. That's how it happened where I went to church. We'll baptize you this evening because we don't want you slipping off. Hallelujah. And doing something or, or you know, dying or anything. And, and we sure could use you uh, uh, next week in Sunday school. Well, you know, what do those people know? They don't know anything. I said they know nothing. And they might know some wrong things in my case. Hallelujah. Here it says, let's read in verse 16. Let's read it together. Verse 16, ready, read. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life or have life of the eternal. The word there, everlasting life, is the word in the Greek, aeonius zoe. And it means life, everlasting life, or life of of, 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 of the life of God. Now what you have here is that we have God saying here that Jesus came to give us life that came from another world. But so many times the attitude of Christians is, is that now we're good. Now we're going to heaven. Now we got a free pass out of hell. And so that's the transaction. It's like, man, I sure am glad for this fire insurance. It's like playing Monopoly where you get that get out of jail free card. You know that if you ever land on the spot that says go to jail, you've got a get out of, free, out of, get out of jail free card. And you can present it at the time and you can go on your merry way. But if you don't, well, then you've got to go to jail and pay $200. Have you all ever played Monopoly with my two sons? 
It's brutal. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Well, that's the way a lot of people take uh, uh, eternal life. It's like, well, I got to get out of hell free card. But it's not that at all. It's just part of the package. It's just a, one element of it. But it has really nothing to do with God being concerned about you and I going to hell and wanting to deliver us from hell and get us into heaven. It has really very little to do with that. And it's far from the motive of God. It is a very small part that he is throwing you a, a life preserver as you're about to go under the third time, as you're about to lose it. He's throwing you one and gets you up and delivers you and saves you out of that peril. And you're so grateful for that and that's all you can talk about or think about is boy I'm sure glad I didn't die that's really wasn't in the mindset of God at all amen so he says that God so loved the world he so loved everybody that he gave his only begotten son now now remember Jesus is not the he's not the only begotten son anymore at this time at this point he was the only begotten son but now I'm a son are you a son well, as many as received him, he gave the power to become the sons of God. So he was the only begotten, but now he's the first begotten or the firstborn from the dead. He's first, but now he's not the only. So we got to be mindful of that thing. Well, you know, he's the only begotten. No, not anymore. He was, but he isn't anymore. You and I are here. That, that whosoever believeth or receiveth him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The number one purpose then for Jesus coming to the earth is not to save us from hell, but was to bring something from heaven, was to bring the life of God. Now, in that package, there is deliverance from hell because those that go to hell don't have the life of God. And so they have to, by virtue of default, they have to go to hell. The, the reason is, is not that God's sending anyone to hell, but that you can't go to heaven unless you've been cleansed or washed from that that worldly nature, nature, that nature of iniquity, that, that, that you are, those people are filled with the nature of the devil. The devil is their father. They are in the family. It's just like letting someone out of jail, uh, that, you know, that they escape jail, and you inviting them in your house and saying, come live with us. You're a, you look like a decent human being. And they're in, you know, they're in prison for a rap sheet this long, and you just say, well, you look good. Come on in. That's not it at all. We, God does not want the devil in heaven. <laughs> it wouldn't be heaven anymore. And the children of the devil are just like the devil. Now they may bake an apple pie. They may be 80 years old and make the best little uh, uh, spread, you know, on Christmas Day and be so sweet and kind. But if they are not born again, they are of their father, the devil. Let's get it straight. And on the other hand, you can have someone that's meaner than Cooter Brown, just tougher than nails, been there, done it all, there's nothing good about them, but at the new birth, at receiving Jesus Christ, for all they've done and even what they're able to think of still, yet they are born again, they're filled with the nature of Almighty God, the life of God in them causes them to be qualified to be in the family, and they are no longer of their father the devil. My, 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 you can't go by what's on the outside, can you? Have to go by what's on the inside. So the number one purpose of Jesus coming from heaven to earth was to be, to bring us the life of God and bring it to men. Amen. So here we are. Jesus could have just, just, just taken us to heaven, but he didn't. Second Corinthians chapter 4 talks about that we have this, this treasure in earthen vessels. Put your hands on your body right now. 
and say, this is an earthen vessel, but inside is the life and nature and ability of Almighty God. Inside of me, this, this body is the life of God. Well, that's the truth right there. Now, you can be pretty like me or ugly like, well, you know who I'm talking about. And it doesn't matter. Once you got that nature, that life, that ability on the inside, that's who you are. That's who you are. Actually, the devil's tried to propagate the lie that there's five races of people. But actually, there's only two races of people. It's not red and yellow, black and white. It's saved and not saved. It's, it's born again and sinner. And we say sinner by, the, by signifying the real word there is iniquity. Sinner, sin, because they have the nature of iniquity, the nature of the, of the rebel on the inside of them. So there's just two races of people. So it doesn't matter what they look like, their gender, their race, their background. If they're born again, that's your, that's your brother. That's your sister. And if they're a sinner, even though they're, you and them are both white as snow and got sparkly blue eyes and came from the same hometown and your daddy and his mother went to school together, you're just practically cousins, you are of different families, of different races, of different lives. That's the truth. Hallelujah. So this life and this nature that's been in, inside of us, that we did not perish because he came to bring us life and life abundantly. That life that's inside of us, it's on the inside. But that life that's on the inside, any life, whether it be the life of God or the substance of the devil, it tends to work into the outward parts. We have three parts, the inward part being the, the spirit, but it works into our soul. How many of you know that sinners think different than those that are born again? Even if, they, even if they were twins and, and grew up together, if one's born again, he thinks different. And then plus our bodies. Our bodies begin to take on the health and wholeness and nature that's on the inside, begins to exude that and dominate that in our flesh and in our body. So it's essential that we're not just looking for healing. We're not just saying, Lord, send the power, the Holy Ghost power. Lord, give me a touch of healing. Well, what he did and how he operates is he puts this life down on the inside of you and you access that. Healing is just one aspect or one part of what the life of God looks like on the inside of you. And as it comes out or as it's demonstrated in your body, it, we call it healing. So it's not something external that he's sending. He's already put it into you when you receive the life of God. Now, that's a, that's a little different thing. That's what you didn't learn as you was going along. Look with me in Romans chapter 8. Look what it says in Romans 8. Now, this is all New Testament, y'all. This is all in the scriptures that we look at all the time. But, you know, the world and even carnal Christians, religion, will try to get you to think a way that's contrary to the Word of God. Now, why would that be? How, why would, would, would born-again people want you to think different than the Word of God. Well, they've not renewed their minds. They've, they've lent themselves or they've given themselves to live like the world and to put on religious things, to put on good things. There's a lot of ethical, good people. They're in, the, they're in organizations. We could name them. Uh, civic organizations here in town. Uh, national organizations like uh, the Masonic Lodge or, or uh, Odd Fellows or the Woodmen of the World or, you know, various civic things that you look at them and they've got the, the hospital for the burn, the crippled children, the burn hospitals and the, all the things that they do. I think you see what I mean. They do that. 
But you know, those good things don't make you good. There's a benevolence that makes that people have that makes them feel righteous or feel good about themselves by doing good things. But you and I, we're not motivated by that. We find out what we've been made, and then out of that, we operate. Look what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Hallelujah. Now, this, this power that's inside of you, this, this, this ability that's inside of you, look what it says in verse 11. It says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead, well, that'd be the Holy Ghost, wouldn't it? If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. Well, see, that tells us that it's the same Holy Ghost that raised Jesus from the dead. He dwells in you. Say, dwells in me. Now, see, he's not out here. He's not a cloud. He's not coming in. He's not, he's not someone. Now, Holy Spirit, we're asking you. We're needing you. No, he dwells in you. And if he dwells in you, then he that raised up Christ from the dead. Now, see, this is the most powerful event that's ever been recorded in all of time is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There's nothing that's ever released more power and more ability. There's never been such a coup. There's never been such a struggle, a power struggle, as there was when Jesus was in the depth with the devil. In the, depths, in the depth of hell, and the Lord resurrected him or raised him from the dead. There's never been an event before or after that. The closest thing that comes to it is when you and I got born again. When we were transferred out of darkness into his marvelous light. But he said, if the same Holy Ghost dwell in you. So you got to know something. you got to know, does he dwell in me? you got to know, does he dwell in me? Does he visit on occasions or when I call on him and say, Lord, I promise to live for you all my life and I promise to take back everything I've stolen and every lie I've, I've and, you know, making deals with God, you know, that, would you come and save me? you got to know that even when you did a bad thing yesterday, he's still inside of you full strength. you got to know. you got to know he doesn't come and go saying, this place is filthy nasty. I'm not staying here not another day. Or, you know, well, they've cleaned up the place pretty good. They've made some promises, and they're, you know, going to church, and they're being kind, and they gave $10 last week, so I believe I'll go back for a while and just see how it works out. No, he dwells in me. I said full-time, moved in, changed his address at the post office, you know, got everything. It's a full-time deal. The paper thrown at your place every day. If he dwells in you, it says, he shall also quicken. That word quicken is the word resurrection. It means to make alive. He shall also, same Holy Ghost that raised Christ from the dead, shall quicken your mortal body by that by his spirit that dwelleth in you. It's talking about healing right there. So it's on the inside. Healing's on the inside. I said health and wholeness, strength and vigor in life is on the inside. Well, you've got to know that. You got to know that, or you'll be looking for the evangelist. You'll be looking for someone with a special touch. You'll be wanting to put your hands on the TV. All of that stuff works, but it's not because of your hand on the TV. It's not because of the evangelist. It's because you went through the back door, you went through a window, you went some way, and you accessed the greater one on the inside, but you thought it was Brother Doodad over here. You th Are you all with me? But it was, it, was you, it was him on the inside raising you from the dead in a dimension and in a measure.
So he's got to live in you. Verse, uh, verse 37, look in verse 37 of this chapter. It says, nay, and we'd have to read a lot of verses to find out what the nay is. But he's, he's, he's uh, speaking some rhetorical things there. And he says, no, but in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. No, those things aren't so. We're more than conquerors. I'm more than a conqueror. How? Through him that lives in me. Say, lives in me. So we got to get that down in us. We got to be cognizant. We got to be, we got to be fully aware all the time that when I received him, when Jesus came in and he did come in, that all that he is and all that he has came in with him. And that the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, the one that raised him from the dead, stayed in. And he lives in there now. I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost. I said, we're the temple of the Holy Ghost. And the full strength of God Almighty is on the inside of you. So, you know, today the Holy Ghost, may he may eat at Taco Casa. And he may eat at the Cypress Inn. Or he may eat last night's leftover lasagna. You say, well, how come? Well, whatever you're doing is what he's doing. <laughs> I'd skip that lasagna. I'd go for Taco Casa. Hallelujah. Amen. So, Philippians 4.13 says, says, I can do all things. What does it say? I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Well, one version says, I can master anything and everything through the master who lives in me. Well, see, that's how you got to approach life. Because life's going to come at you and it's going to slide a skinny on you. It's going to try to come in and say, you're good, you're tough, but not this tough. And that's the root of worry. That's the, word, that's the source of anxiety. That's where fear comes from, is when you think more be against me than more than, than before me. And you get an anxiety. You get, a, you get an assessment in your mind that says, this is going to be trouble, and I may have pain because of this. But when you have that more than conqueror thing, when you have, when you have that, uh, uh, that who you are in Christ thing, then all of a sudden you stand up and say, there is a way out of this. I'm just going to sit here and meditate the word until I see it. And that's the way we're going to go. Amen. I can master anything and everything through the master who lives in me. Second Corinthians chapter 5. You got a minute? Let's go there. Now, here's the big one right here. We've got to get this one going right here. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go through this little basic training here. We're going to get this thing nailed down this morning so you can think right, so you can take more, so that you can go further with what's happened to you and I at the new birth. In chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, verse 17, let's read it together. I'm in the King James. Do the best you can. Verse 17 Ready? Read. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, what that says is, if it's literal, if it's true, what that means is that when there was the divine exchange at the new birth, something happened to you. Now, your soul didn't move and your body certainly didn't change. Wouldn't that be great to get an upgrade in our body? Hallelujah. And say, Lord, can we fix this while we're here doing all this other stuff? Can we make this part wonderful? No, 
That's, that's another day. Could we work on this mind thing? Nope, that's another day. You got to work on that. But in the spirit department, something dramatic changed. And what belies that fact is that we didn't experience anything on the outside that seemed to commemorate what happened on the inside. It was so dramatic. It was so heaven-changing. It was so transforming on the inside at the new birth. When you said, Lord Jesus, I receive you into my life. I make you my Lord and my master. I thank you for coming in and being my, my, my Savior. Well, you know, if anybody clapped, it, was, you know, it wasn't that big. And if anybody said hallelujah, it was just in the back. But what happened in heaven is that it all erupted and all transformed and changed based on what you did. But what was really big is what happened on the inside of you. There was a death, actually a murder. The old man that you were died. He cannot stay because the Bible says you can't serve two masters. And here you are. And he died. He left. He was annihilated. He was destroyed. And the old man that you were ceased to exist. He didn't just move over. He didn't just get changed. He didn't just get a, a new lease on life. He's gone. Now, here's the key. Here's what we have to say in order that if that's true, then this is true. So you were made a new creature. Literally, it says a new creation in Christ. If the old man that you were on the inside no longer exists and you were made a new creation on the inside, that new creation is pure. That new creation is perfect. In other words, God didn't put a sinner inside of you to replace what you were, a sinner. He put the image of God back inside of you. We had been birthed by our father of the first Adam, and so we had his nature in us. But then at the new birth, we got the nature of Jesus. And so he came in, and he didn't say not like, you know, like twins in the womb or something. He says, it sure is crowded in here. One of us is going to have to go. That's right. One of them did go. The old man died. He was nailed like Jesus to the cross when Jesus went to Calvary, and the old man died. And the day that you received Jesus, he the, 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 the act of his murder, of his, his destruction was complete. And you became a new creation in Christ. Now, people can get around that all day. They say, okay, I got that. But here's the, it's the step B. It's the next step that comes. So that means that the new man you are has never sinned. The, the, the new man that you are has never sinned. If you're perfect on the inside, if you've got, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe on him should not perish but have everlasting or the life of the eternal put inside of you, then the life that's inside of you has never sinned. Now, I'm not trying to get flaky here, and I'm not trying to promote a new doctrine of any kind, but I'm just saying let's think about what happened at the new birth. Because we can't go forward with our life in victory. We can't possess the promises that the Word says that we have and that we are unless we know what's down on the inside of here. You know, it's something as carnal as playing cards, playing poker, or some game like that. you got to know what's in your hand before you move all the chips out to the middle. <laughs> You know, whether you're bluffing or whether you got a you got you got the, the you got 
the boys and the girls all the way across, you know, all it's it's whatever you got, you got to know what what you've got and you got to know the order of it. You know, when you're playing with a child, when you play cards with a child or whatever, they'll say, you know, does two of a kind beat four of, you know, and they don't know, you know, and you, you have to say, no, this is better than this. You got to know what wins. And so you got to know what's down inside of you. It's, it's, you know, because if you messed up yesterday, how many of y'all know we could have messed up yesterday? We could have, we could have messed up yesterday. If we think that, that there's a, a vacancy sign on our life because Jesus moved out, you know, like, I'm not staying here if you're going to do that. If you're going to do that, I'm not staying. Well, then you don't want to bet the farm on, on, on the thing you're praying about that you're believing for if you think he's not behind you. So we got to know if he's there we got to know what he's doing there, and we got to know what, when the clutch in the war, in the battle, we got to know what the devil's got. The, if he brought everything to the front, we got to know have we got enough to take him every time? And see, Christians don't know. So it's based on how they're feeling. They're based, it's based on, 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 on people's experience. They're, and all these factors enter in, and we're never supposed to go there. We're supposed to know. We're supposed to know the outcome before we ever go into the battle. We're supposed to know when we pray. Like Debbie was talking about, we're, spo we're supposed to know, is this thing already won, or is this thing going to have to have an outcome that we're not sure about? We're supposed to know. All the promises of God in Him are yes and amen. you got to know that. Or you're going to have to just kind of squeak it along and have a daily skirmish, a daily battle, and kind of give and take until finally, after a long thing, you finally come out and say, well, yeah, we won. Finally. We're supposed to win from the beginning. Do you all see why the church has not been victorious? Why we have long prayer things on the front of churches where, you know, pray for them or, you know, like I went to, back to West Texas and got the church bulletin at, you know, at, at First Church. And the back, you know, the, there was announcements in the front, there was announcements in the middle, but on the back, it was full, a long list of people to pray for. Well, they weren't all going to First Church. Matter of fact, some of them were going to no church. Matter of fact, some of them were shaking their fist at the church, but they were on that list. You just got to wonder, what... What's the power here? Well, they didn't know. And a lot of Christians do not know. So, it's, it's kind of like, um, like when you get born again, it's kind of like renting an apartment. You know, or buying a used car. When you buy a used car, you, you really don't ask about, well, now, was this man divorced? And did this, has this man ever been in Finland? And I want to know, did he like sardines? You know, it's like, sir, just look at the car. If you like the car, buy the car. If you don't like the apartment, well, then, you know, it has nothing to do with who is there. And when you get born again, you get the body and you get the mind, but it really doesn't matter what you did because we have a new tenant coming in. We got a new buyer coming in, and really doesn't matter if you like sardines or you really you're a granola guy. It doesn't matter. You're the new tenant. You're the new owner. You move in with all the rights and the privileges, and you take over from there. Well, you know, I used to be a this, and I used to do that, and I used to have this thing in my life. Well, what, what, does that, what difference does that make for the price of rice in the Philippines? It's just not consequential, is it? So we got to go there. Look, look in Romans chapter 6. We've got a few minutes here. Let's just look at some scriptures about this. 
Now, I'm not expecting you just to take this at face value. Let's look at it. Let's get it out of the Scriptures. Let's make it work in the Scriptures. Because, you know, where we're going with this is all based on the Scriptures. So we have to get everything that we're going to do and know and have, we got to get it out of the Word of God because all we're wanting to operate with is the Word of God. We're wanting to take the promises from the Word and appropriate them in our life, so we have to get what's in the Word of God to, in order to understand what we can do. Chapter 6, look in verse 3. It says, Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. Why? That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. There it is. Our old man, say my old man was crucified with him. So you don't have an old man. You had an old man. You were an old man, but you, he was crucified with Christ. He's dead. Jesus died. He didn't fake it. He died. You didn't fake it. You died. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Well, that old man, he was a sinner. And sinning's what he did, and he was fairly good at it. But we aren't sinners. Not even an old sinner saved by grace. We're not a sinner. There, you know, if you were an old sinner and he didn't get destroyed, then the old sinner did get saved by grace. But the body said he died. The Bible says he's gone. He died. And a new creation took his place. And we don't have the bondage of sin on us. We've been raised from the dead. And then it goes on. It says, verse 9, Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Now verse 11. Likewise. So here we got a, he got a therefore right there. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be indeed, to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin... Therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. So in the inside, the spirit man that you are, sin doesn't touch you. Sin doesn't touch you on the inside. Now it'll get in your members. It'll get in your flesh. It'll try to do something there. It'll get in your soul, in your mind. It'll try to get in there and, and, and get you to mess up and to act contrary to the commandment to act contrary to righteousness, act contrary to who you are inside, to do something that's, that's against who you are and what you have and, and all that. But it's not on the inside. And so it can be cast off. 
It can be repented of and thrown out. It didn't affect you. That's why this thing about, well, you know, that person, I don't know if they're going to go to heaven or not. Well, on the inside, are they still saved? On the inside, are they still freed from sin, from, from the, the power of the devil? Well, I, we are. I said we are. And we'll go into this more. But on the inside, I'm still his and he's still mine. He still moved in the temple of the Holy Ghost. Well, he wouldn't be moved in and let's go to hell. Amen. So, the, the sinner that you was is dead. And the new man that you are is alive. And that's the end of it. Hebrews chapter 12 says that we, that you are come unto the spirits of just men made perfect. Doesn't feel just, doesn't feel perfect, but on the inside I am. Say, I'm perfect on the inside. That is working towards the outside. So even though the outside still rebels a little bit, is contrary a little bit, is a little horsey sometimes, we're getting our mind renewed, it's less and less, but on the inside, we're still untouched, we're still in Him. So what's the number, need of, number one need of the church? Do we need more faith? Do we need more love? Do we need more money? No, we don't need any of that. The number one need of the church family is to get our minds renewed, just to know what the Bible says about you. That's the end of it. Turn with me to John chapter 5, and we'll, we'll finish up right here. Two more, this scripture and one more, and we'll quit. John chapter 5, verse 26. You know, the Bible says, Jesus said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He said, He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And then he said, For without me, talking about Zoe life, without that Zoe life, he said, you can do nothing. So we're dependent upon him, aren't we? Here it says in John chapter 5, verse 26, it says, for as the father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the son to have life in himself. And then Jesus said in John 10, 10, what did he say? He said, I have come that they might have life and they might have it to the full. So the, Jesus said, all the life I have came from the Father, and he said, I came to the earth to bring that life to man. I have come that you might have life, zoe life, zoe life, life as the Father has it. That word in the vines talks about absolute life, life to the full, life as God lives it. Turn with me to 1 John, and we'll quit with this. Life as God has it, life as God lives it, on the inside of you, a perfect man on the inside, and that life working or re being revealed more and more to your outward man. You can't try to be righteous on the outside. All you can do is yield to what's already been done on the inside. Well, if you think you're a rotten old thing on the inside based on what you thought and did yesterday, well, you'll never think right. You'll never do right today. But if you can put that thing behind you and cut that thing off from yesterday and saying, that was the flesh, that was my mind, I'm still perfect before him, I'm still accepted in the beloved, I'm still the righteousness of God in him, I'm still filled with the love of God, I still have the absolute faith of God, I have the peace of God that passes understanding, that's who I am, that's who I have, what I have, and that's how I live. And then you can get up today and have victory. If you have anything, though, that comes from the past, from yesterday or beyond, and it has to have a place in today, you cannot have the victory. 
because it'll have defeat in it. It'll have, it'll have that you can't have the promises. Look here. I'm going to finish with this, but look in chapter 5 of 1 John. Look in verse 11, and then you can shout with me, and we'll go to the house. It says in verse 11, and this is the record. It's talking about the Lamb's book of life, the record. How many of y'all know that you and I are written, our names are written in the Lamb's book of life even before you became the first grader? Your name was written in the Lamb's book of life. You say, well, I didn't get saved till I was 10. It was still written in the Lamb's book of life. God is a faith God. He looked ahead and said, I believe they'll take it. <laughs> the word talks about blotting out for people that die without receiving that life. And so they are blotted out, but the Lord just writes you in. He's just waiting for mom and dad to say, this, this boy will be John and this girl will be Mary. I mean, he's not even waiting for that, but I, that's a funny. Hallelujah. Verse 11, and this is the record that God hath given to us, Aeonius Zoe, the life of the eternal, and this life, this Zoe, is in his son. He that hath the son hath Zoe, hath life. How many of y'all got the son? Well, if you've got the son, the word says you've got the life. It's in you. Well, I need to be better. Well, you probably do. We would appreciate it if you would straighten up, not act like a knucklehead. And if you would, get in line. But nevertheless, you've got the life in you. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. So he's, it's important to know, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now, here's where the stuff comes for you and I living down here. Going to heaven is cool. I recommend it. I believe it. it's going to be the great wrap-up to a lot of things. You understand, though, we're just going to live there seven years, and then we're coming back to the earth for a thousand. Everybody thinks we're going to be in heaven for forever and ever. Actually, it's not so. We're going to heaven. We're going to have the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going to go to the heavenly Disneyland, whatever that would mean to you. We're going to have a great time for seven years being with him, fellowshipping with him. And then the Bible says we're all moving back down on the earth. <laughs> and then the Bible says that eventually God moves heaven to the earth. <laughs> Take that, Al Gore. Hallelujah. Good enough for God. Good enough. Hallelujah. Excuse me, don't want to offend any green people, but I'm just, I'm just talking about. We, we, need to be, we need to be concerned about those things that are eternal instead of those things that are CO2. <laughs> Hallelujah. But the point here is, is number verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him. What is the confidence? Knowing that you have eternal life. Knowing that you have the life of the eternal, the Zoe life in you. If you know that, then you could go somewhere. But family, we've been a church for 2,000 years that's tried to pray and just hit and miss. So we've had to develop theology, religious doctrine that would wrap around how God answers prayer. Well, sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says maybe. Well, I'd just soon him not say anything. I could get that far. Yes, no, maybe. What else is there? I mean, it's like, hello, that's not divine revelation. Yes, no, maybe. So nobody knows how to get their prayers answered. But he said, you can. This is the confidence that we have in him. Those things that you know because you know you have eternal life. That if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. 
Say, He hears me. Now, when you pray according to his will, the Bible says, because you're filled with the life and nature of Almighty God, the same absolute life that makes God God is inside of you through the Lord Jesus Christ. The life that's in Father was given to the Son. The Son said, I have come. They would have that same life. If you have that life in you, he says, if you pray, if you ask anything in my name, according to my will, I'll hear you. Verse 15, and if we know, that he hear us. It's a progression. Whatsoever we ask, we know. Say, I know. That we have the petitions that we desired of him. Well, all of a sudden, life on earth is fixed. The problems, the situations, the challenges of this life, which is what everybody's focused on, just trying to get it to go to heaven, is fixed. Know that you have eternal life. Know that the greater one's inside of you. Know that the old man that you were is gone. Not cohabitating, not shacked up, not in there that, you know, sometimes my old man, he just rises up with anger, and I just lose it, and I just can't my help. It's the old man. No, it's not the old man. He's gone. It's the unrenewed mind. <laughs> it's the flesh. But we have power and dominion over the flesh, and we're renewing the mind. So he says here, if you know inside, you are, every day you get up and say, I know I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I know God loves me. He doesn't love anybody more than me. Why, if he was to pick favorites, I'd be in the top ten. And Jesus had, you know, so-called favorites, so why not? Why not? Well, you can think that way anyway. You can have a favorite mentality that says, you know, he's not going to withhold any good thing from me. He loves me. I'm filled with the faith of God. There is nothing that I need on the inside. If there's any limitation in my life, it's just my head. And I can go to the Word of God and I can fix that by the evening. So I can get my petitions answered. Every one of them. Every time. But i got to know the will of God. And you can't know the will of God unless you know who you are in Christ. Nothing, nothing the Word teaches you about being more than a conqueror, uh, of always winning. None of that will work until you know who it's talking about. It's talking about the man in Christ. It's talking about someone that's been born again. It's talking about someone that doesn't have a sin problem. Jesus solved the sin problem. Now, we're not going to go there this morning, but people would say, well, if he solved the sin problem, then can we just sin? Well, you know, Romans talks about that. said, you know, sin doesn't bother God but it'll eat you alive. It'll, it will chop you in little pieces and grind you up. Sin will tear you up, but it doesn't bother God because he sees you healed. He sees you prosperous. He sees you victorious. He sees you having the best. So what you do on the side, you have to deal with in the flesh. You're going to suffer for in the flesh. You're going to endure the consequences of making uh, judicious, worldly decisions, but it won't bother him. It sure won't keep you out of heaven. Oh, that's a bite. That's a big mouthful. Well, let's just, let's just act on what we know this morning. Do you know anything this morning? Well, help me, Jesus. They know a little. Praise the Lord. So we're going to stand up and we're going to get healed this morning. And you understand that's a term we just use so everybody can understand it. But we're going to receive what's on the inside already. 
We're not trying to get good enough. Well, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm praying this scripture. I'm confessing this scripture. A hundred times I did this morning. Uh, Lord, how many times more do you want me to confess it before you'll heal me? You know, that's not, in the, that's not in the formula. I said, that's not the way it works. <laughs> you, either, you either know you're the healed or you're, you're renewing your mind on that still. You either know you're qualified. See, we know that he's the healer. Everybody in here, I believe, knows that he's the healer. But you got to know if you're qualified enough to receive healing. you got to know, would he heal me? I said, we know he could, but would he? Well, you know, I was a little rotten yesterday. You sure were. I couldn't believe you did that. I, that was amazing. doesn't have anything to do with healing, though, does it? But it has everything to do with receiving it. So you got to know who you are on the inside so you can discount that by repenting of it. Lord, I thank you the blood of Jesus covered that 2,000 years ago, and I just turned from that because that thing will tear me up. That thing will eat me up. That thing will keep me from receiving. That condemnation, that guilt, that thing that's, that's working on my head, it'll keep me from receiving everything that's already in my spirit. So this morning, we're not, not going to lay hands on you. You're going to lay hands on yourself. This morning, put your hand on your body. and Say this after me. Father.